Hello, and welcome back to the Mix, Sizzle, and Shake Your Business broadcast podcast. We've been talking about a key digital property for business over the last couple of weeks, your website. And we've been breaking down the components to unlock all of the answers so you can put your best foot forward in designing the most valuable site possible. As we talked about, most sites start with a home page and a contact page. The other most common pages include about, services, and blog. And we'll get to each of those. But there are a few minor details that impact your entire site and these pages as well. So we left off in the last episode talking about one of those very small and yet quite important details, the footer. So today is footer day part two. (laughs) The other foot, I guess. Okay? (laughs) What we learned from key info I shared with you from Andy over at Orbit Media in Chicago is that the footer has an important, few important actually, functions and more possible functionality to it than most people are even aware of. Well, at least more than I was aware of anyway. Andy, in fact, listed 27 possible functions to put in a footer. What? I know. I had no idea. And although the number of options does seem like a lot, I think the significance is twofold. First, it gives you a bunch of great ideas for things to put in your footer. Most likely, some of your footer of the footer options on Andy's list are things you never thought of. And I got to tell you, since reading Andy's list, I'm noticing a lot more going on and sometimes not going on on people's website footers. I bet a lot of people don't give a heck of a lot of thought to their footer at all. And now I'm thinking, geez, maybe we should, right? And that brings me to a second conclusion about what you maybe think as an insignificant little footer. And that is, maybe it's not so insignificant and maybe it's a valuable, usable piece of your site real estate. And in that case, the new question is how to put that real estate to best use. Ha ha. So, how, right when a visitor reaches the end of your page, can you manage to snatch their attention and keep them on your site? Hmm. Oh, drats, Andy. Leave it to you to point out yet one more thing to improve user experience and gain SEO to make your website design site, site design even better. Listen to my last episode, by the way, for all of Andy's 27 footer options. And also, notice the footers on sites you visit to get the feel for what you like or don't. Also, you might do a little investigating into what other sites in your industry have in their footers. And you can decide if you see any must-haves that maybe you're missing. Or if you see a gap where you can do something different to stand out. And most of all, think about a way to hook a site guest into further engagement before they click away. And speaking of clicks, let's chat a minute about another small but mighty detail. The click, click, clickety, clicker, clickin' clicks happen most from your menu navigation buttons. 
menu navigation on your site is then yet another little detail in website operations you may not have even given much thought. But once again, oh dear, maybe you should. So let's refer one more time to Andy since he is a resource of all resources when it comes to website design. And since he did the work, let's steal his information and put it to good use for our sites. He says right off the bat in his article that little things make a big difference. And that's why we're covering things like those footers and now this navigation. So your site navigation, he says, does two things that are important. It affects traffic, he said, and it affects conversions, he says. And so here's his checklist of best practices. Now, before I tell you what Andy has to say, I'm going to just interject here and say that when I was first doing my website, I guess four years ago, or, or maybe four and a half, anyway, a while, when I first started fi- trying to figure out website, period, I was told that you do not be, you do not get crazy artistic descriptive in your site navigation labels, that you need to make it like stupid easy for people that they know exactly what it is. It's home, it's this, it's that. And to stick with the the industry standard, the web standard of those pages we've been talking about, your home page, your contact page, call them what you will, those are important. The first place people most often land and the place they get in touch with you. And then those about pages, those service pages and your blog. So those pages are intact, but what Andy's bringing in to the thing is to say, wait a minute, you don't have to do the vanilla, everybody has the same about those five labels. So that's what makes this interesting to me right off the bat. Now I read this a while back, but I, I'm so glad I was able to look it back up because it does fit into look, looking at those details that we're doing now. And he's saying that you should do it more descriptively than the vanilla labels. And that came to a surprise to me. So let me know what you think. Is, is that working for you or is that what you think would, would work for you better? Let's go over what Andy says. First of all, he says make those labels be uh, descriptive. He says what we do, products, services, solutions, those are not descriptive and they don't use keywords. And keywords are going to help you with your SEO and conversion, he says. That's the thing about the descriptive labels, why he's changing what we think that we need and have to use vanilla labels and saying, make them descriptive labels. Because why? They're good for search engines. And why else does he say? They're good for visitors. So great two reasons to me and something to think about for you. Um, He gets you know, a little bit more direct of what you could do. And he talks about using those Google research tools and the SERP things and the Ask the Public and things like that that we've talked about before when you're looking for your keyword research and some of the stuff that was in Sharon's article too. Now, avoid format-based navigation, he says. You don't want labels that are called videos or photos or white papers, Because the visitors are visiting the format of the content, but no topic, he says. So he says, when you say those things, it's, I think he's what he's saying, they're too generic. They're not really telling people, visitors or, from my perspective, anything. Uh, The other thing he talks about is drop-down menus. He says they're popular, but they're not really a very good idea. 
And he says, again, there's two reasons to avoid a drop-down menu. Because it's good for search engines. Those drop-downs, he says, are more difficult to crawl. And it's good for visitors. Yay, the same two things that we want. He's saying that usability studies show that people find drop-down menus annoying. And we are trying to have a user-centric approach, a visitor-happy usability. Um, So the usability say that the drop-down and the mega drop-down is not the ticket. The other reason that I think, um, and I think this comes into his next thing here, is that you limit the number of menu items at all to seven. While that's a shock for some people, just like the categories, we're going to try to limit menu items to seven because he says, again, there's two good reasons. Fewer items in your navigation help search engines. And he talks about... um, authority flowing into your deeper pages from your home page and he talks about link juice and here's what might surprise you he shows because he's an analytical kind of guy that Andy Crestedina he shows a link juice calculator and he explains to you how silly you are if you have 200 pages in, in his example that are linked to your home page he's saying that steals the clout out of that home page because he's saying it and I'll quote you this means the amount of authority passed from the home page to each of those pages is divided by 200 in other words you are diluting your the juice of your link of your homepage. Um, in navigation, he says avoid long lists. If you're going to list, uh, if you have long, you know, a lot of things to cover, what he suggests is better is grouping items or chunking them. So if, you know, you do need 10 items, you want to have five under label A and five under label B and have that be a submenu. So that's going to take it down again. And again, he wants to trim those sub-menus, if you have to, down to five items. He also points out that the order of your website navigation is important. And I bet you we don't think about that very often. We might do it the way everybody does it. Home to the left, contact to the right in the top header. However... He talks about something that's interesting to me because this sounds familiar from what I've learned about headline research. And he says that there's what he call what they call in, um, I guess this is in behavioral psychology, which we've also talked about in the show, getting in the head of your visitor. Uh, but he says there's a thing called serial position effect. And it combines, he says, cognitive biases One is a primary effect where items at the beginning stand out and one is the recency effect where things at the end stand out. Now, I know I've learned this about headlines. People see the first couple words and the last couple words the most. Those are where the the, uh, focus goes when you read them. But it's interesting to me that it works the same way in navigation. It's the same principle. Uh, it might have even it might be even based on the same principle, but I wasn't introduced to the psychology when I read it about the headlines. So he's saying when you pick your order, you want to keep two things in mind. And again, these are the things that we keep talking about: aligning the core principle of your web design and your content marketing by giving visitors what they want and then giving them what you want them to want. (laughs) In other words, your business 
objectives aligned with user objectives. So that's what he's pointing out there, which we've already talked about. We agree with Andy. Okay, number six on his list for navigation tips that you must think about is organizing to optimize your website navigation. He says designing the navigation is the beginning, not the end. And I love this. I I love this statement, and you can take it with you, too. Digital ink is never dry. And that's something I mentioned recently, too. I thought a website would be done when I got it perfect, but it's never done. <laughs> and this is exactly what he's saying. And that's good, because that means we can keep improving and keep leveling up and keep learning that we should pay attention to things like our navigation or our footer, right? Okay, so he talks about one is a navigation summary or an in-page view of a behavioral report that gives the flow or user flows of how it works. But let's see what he's saying. Oh, let's get to his bottom line conclusion. For insights on how to use a user flow report, you have to look at the top pass through your website. This is the way people come in and move through the site. And I think what happens is that it's about how you want people to flow from one page to the next or where you want to take them in the journey um, to meet them where they need to be and where you need them to be. And this is about designing your navigation in a calculated way. Um, and he says that I think the other thing is not only you want it to be in a calculated way, but you want to evaluate what that best calculated way would be by looking at Google Analytics on your site and determining those paths. Okay, you follow me? I hope so. Okay, now, website navigation on mobile devices is the other th last thing that he mentions. And this is huge because if you don't have a responsive web design, if you're buying your website through a um, quickie site maker, it might be easier, but it might not be responsive. And if it's not responsive, then you're missing a lot of audience because a huge number, and it keeps growing what that number is, view their content on their cellular devices and on other smaller than full-size computer devices like laptops and tablets and iPads. So if you're not thinking about mobile devices in general, then you're making a mistake. And uh, here he's talking about the sandwich menus and hamburger menus, they call it, because it looks like three lines like a burger in between two buns. If you haven't heard of that, and if you're new, I didn't know what those lines were. I didn't know those, if you pick push the hamburger button that would make a menu come you know your menus come out but that is a key and you want you want now if you don't know it and you don't think your readers know that those three lines are a hamburger menu or a way to get into your site label your hamburger menu say you know enter here or push button or you know for site, you, you know, give some direction so that you'll know that hamburger button takes you other places in the site. And then he throws in the, the hidden navigation and things that help keep taking readers to where you want them. And again, he mentions something we talked about before about putting a telephone number on there that not only is just listed, but that you could actually click and dial. 
because guess what? They're looking on their mobile device. They can hit your number and be dialing you. So make it easy and make that button clickable on your navigation. Design a button um, and, you know, code it. It's not too hard. You can look it up on Andy's site under his navigation tips, or you can probably look it up all over the web to just get, you know, the HTML for a phone number added on that's clickable. Okay, so that's a lot of good tips already. The other thing that I'm going to remind you when you're looking at and designing and thinking about making the perfect footer for your perfect business and picking among those 37 treats to do so and not lose that visitor from your site, while you're doing that, uh, also think about this as well, your navigation and charting the course for your customers to take through that navigation. And also, don't forget that other thing on the footer, too, that you do want to have at least your date, and it needs to be including a current date. Don't just say 2012, because people might think you haven't been back since 2012. Say 2012 through 2018, and have that copyright symbol. That gives you some legitimacy, and it gives you a little protection of your um, property, your intellectual property, your writing, uh, to protect yourself a little bit with your copyright rights, and it makes you look a little more professional. Okay? Think about your navigation and your footer, and I don't know what we're going to get into next on your website, but I know it's going to be good. So go out there for now, mix, sizzle, and shake your business, and stop back soon to the Mix, Sizzle, and Shake Your Business broadcast podcast. Because you know why? I really appreciate it, and we're going to keep learning more. Thanks for listening.